Welcome to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince, and this podcast is based on the internationally selling book by the same name. This book focuses on seven important skills. They are adaptability, critical thinking, empathy, integrity, being proactive, being optimistic, and being resilient. And this podcast is all about how you can bring these skills into your everyday life so that you are living a life full of happiness, full of purpose, great relationships, doing work that you love, and just really getting the most out of life. Welcome to series 10 of Seven Skills for the Future podcast, Innovation. I am talking to people from all walks of life who have been and are innovating and disrupting various sectors. They are founders and owners of brand new businesses. Some of the businesses have been around for a bit longer. They're each doing something amazing and unique. And we also talk about the challenges and the skills that they have strengthened through doing something completely different and the risks that they've taken. And today I'm talking to someone who has not only disrupted an entire industry, but has also got a really compelling story to tell. Ludovic Bloch was an investment banker who wanted to create a business focused on improving health and the environment. He knew the dry cleaning industry was toxic because of the chemicals that are used when clothes are cleaned. And He wanted to change this and use technology that doesn't have chemicals and toxic smells. He was told this was absolutely impossible. So Ludovic is inspiring. He talks about the huge importance of building resilience, listening with one ear when people are telling you something's impossible, but pushing forward and finding a way and surrounding yourself with people who also want to find a way. So the importance of having a strong team, working with the right people, knowing when to stop doing something yourself as an entrepreneur and delegate to someone else. So after investing time, money and energy into research and development, Blanc opened their first shop in Marylebone in London in 2013, and then just 18 months later, a second shop in Notting Hill to deliver better quality dry cleaning, cleaner, softer, and greener clothes. They clean over 1,000 items a day with 50 colleagues for 20,000 customers and 100 fashion brands and online platforms. But not only have they changed the methods of dry cleaning itself, Ludwig talks about disrupting an entire industry from tech to customer experience and how people receive their dry cleaning and what they expect. And he's just transformed this entire world. They've removed single-use plastic from operations. They're replacing diesel vans with electric vehicles. They use 100% renewable energy at all their locations, and they're a zero landfill business. I know you're going to love this episode. Ludovic brought many skills from his investment banking experience to this business, and he talks about transferable skills, how these can be used across a range of industries in combination with your own skills with other people, how you interact with others, your willingness to take risks, and your openness and being aware that change is constant. 
So welcome back to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. I'm delighted to be welcoming Ludovic Blanc to the episode today. Welcome, Ludovic. So great to have you with us. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And Ludovic is going to be talking to us about his innovative dry cleaning business. So please, could you tell us a little bit about how this business began for you? Sure. Um, so it began 10 years ago. Uh, I I come from a very eco-friendly family uh, and I was working in investment banking for a good part of 10 years. Um, really liked my job, but wanted to really do something of a, of a, of a big project, uh, set up a company which would disrupt an industry uh, with a very sustainable angle. I wanted to be able to contribute to the world and think that my hard work, because hard work it was in investment banking, uh, would contribute really to you know uh, improving uh, the environment uh, and the health of people. So uh, I spent a year and a half actually researching uh, in parallel to mm -hmm. my job and uh, actually looked at several projects. But as often, very close to very close to myself, I was a big consumer of dry cleaning, uh, being a banker and usually yeah. wearing, you know suits and ties and shirts. And every time I would pick up my clothes, I would smell that awful smell entering the stores, uh, which is actually a, a chemical called perchloroethylene. And I looked into it and realized that, hang on, I, how can I, you know, eat, um, you know, organic food and try and do my bit here and there, but but wear clothes that have been soaked in a carcinogenic product because it is a carcinogenic, neurotoxic, and aerosol and water pollutant. So I started looking into this industry a bit more and. It really resonated into me that there were two main things. That one is that it's a very, very toxic industry. So the products used to clean the cloth um, are extremely toxic, as I said. Uh, but also, it's an industry that needed a lot of, um, in addition to the way of cleaning, a lot of innovation. Um, and I felt well, I had kind of fallen asleep. So it was making good business sense to set up a company in this industry. And it was also uh, satisfying my uh, deep willingness to do something different and to contribute. So after yes. a bit of research, um, I started. I, I, I just, um, uh, it's funny, I was still um, a vice president in investment banking and I went to do an internship in uh, Ecofony Dry Cleaning in France to learn wow. the trade. Um, Oh, now I must ask you I about resigned. this. For me, just listening to you, I, I, I'm thinking a lot of things, but I'm thinking also about the, the the big change from working in investment banking to dry cleaning. It's like a complete it was a, change. Yes, it was a very very big change uh, in so many respects. I mean, you know, there is the day to day, but there is also the I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of change. It was very funny when I when I was at the counter because for the first three years I was at the counter in our first store in Maribond to really learn the train and get to see and and I would meet my former uh, customers from uh, the private equity, um, former lawyers, etc. So it was it was a very interesting conversations. Uh, they were a bit shocked yeah. to see here and and then you know as an entrepreneur you want to be where the action is. You want to learn as much as possible. So I think that was the best thing I could do. Um, so then, yeah, we started with one store, always having a vision that I wanted to really um, uh, drive um, a large-scale project, have a large impact. And I was obviously uh, um, you know, very ambitious and wanted to make sure that 
very happy to start small and that's what i did you know really starting with one store which had both the counter and sort of the mini factory uh, in the same place and learning the trade but already thinking at the same time at what are the next step what is the next step in a year time what where should i be in 10 years time with you know international ambitions and so yes um, yes it all started small but with very big dreams and very big vision yeah yeah and do you think um any of your experience and your skills as an investment banker helped you with this new business and if so what what kinds of skills yes i th- i think it it helped me a lot i mean technically it did help me uh because of course when you set up a business you need to negotiate uh that's what i was doing you know all day in banking you need to be able to raise money that's what i was doing you need to be to build um, a business plan to build projections so there are and, and there are many many sort of technical skills that were immediately transposable and i found my and i really loved my job actually you know we're financing uh, acquisitions big large scale merger and acquisition transactions so it was also a, a job where i was touching upon many many aspects uh, legal financial negotiation going on site to visit companies and assess them so all of this was very much transferable to the life of an entrepreneur um so technically yes they were um and then there were a lot of skills that are more i think um not so technical but more human in terms of um you know managing people uh and 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 training and delegating and very being very structured overall i think the key skill was and that's what i look for in people when i recruit now is managing complex projects the, the sort of technical skill which is not so technical but you can find it in any experience is when you are able to manage a complex project that involves several types of people several time frame um you can do it whether you're in banking or in dry cleaning or in deep artificial intelligence technology or in farming it doesn't really matter um you can have a job in any industry where your time frame is very set is very narrow where your horizon of consequences of what you do are narrow but in any industry if all of this is quite wide then this is transferable and i think this is the key skill that i brought with me from my professional experience yes i mean that's transferable skills meaning that you can actually work in probably just about any industry if you've got you know i mean particularly project management but also the people skills and yes. you know managing groups of people and all those dynamics would apply to many different things it would apply um, and complex project yeah. is very very familiar in banking managing people i i think i had that in in me in myself when i was a student i was the president of uh, association etc but this is not a skill that you develop in investment banking investment banking is not used mm. for having you know very you know sort of more um snipers than managers right <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, it's interesting because yeah. i really had it in me and within my team in banking I, uh, you know quite good at doing that and uh, but it's not a skill that you learn there so it was interesting to see what did i learn in my career and what do you have in in, in myself uh, and then you need to have the confidence that i have it uh, for some reason you experience it in your private life you experience it in your student life mm-hmm. uh, so not everything mm-hmm. comes from obviously the professional experience but then you kind of combine it together and make a leap of faith that that it will work yes very very true and definitely about 
taking taking risks and uh, jumping into something different. Let's go back to to dry cleaning. Tell us about what is different about what you're doing and what you've actually created now. Sure. So um, I think that that's very interesting, and we are different. I would say in many many respects. Um, first of all, what do we do? I mean, fundamentally, we clean clothes. Okay. Uh, but we clean them in a very different way, which doesn't involve any of the very toxic chemicals that are used in the industry. So we clean using two types of technology. One is uh, using water and, and the other one using liquid CO2. So we've basically reinvented uh, the way of cleaning clothes, which historically has always been done with highly toxic chemicals. Um, and we started from there. And then we looked at the whole value chain and sort of challenged and i think this the story of blanc has been a story of challenging the status quo uh, of saying okay what people say and i like to say that the most dangerous sentence in the world is oh we've always done like that and this is an industry where everybody is saying that oh we've always cleaned using this toxic there's no way of doing differently um and so we challenged that uh, and we made it happen that's why I, I traveled quite a bit initially went abroad see what in every country there were some pockets of people who were starting to use uh, eco-friendly technologies and we developed and developed. And it was a big R&D project in a way because we needed to learn and get the whole industry knowledge to kind of increase the skills. But we also challenged many other things. We challenged the way a store should look like. And from dry cleaners who usually look quite scrubby, we tried to make really a, a fantastic experience for the customer throughout with nice stores, with um, a very different approach to service, a very honest approach to service, um, discussing the you know the possibilities, discussing the price openly, discussing the issues openly with customers, and then we challenge the systems. I mean, historically, it's an industry that's always challenged to scale because you have thousands of different types of clothes coming every day, so it's difficult to put everything in a in a standard process. The clothes you can have a Clothes made anywhere in the world by any manufacturer with any types of stain. So it's very difficult for the mind to apprehend. So what we did is we rebuilt entirely a new IT system, a tech system that enables us to link what the customer wants with what is happening in our centralized atelier or production facility um, in London, where we can have a direct link almost between what the customer wants and what our ironers do our cleaners do, our folders do. So it's been challenging every single process along the way um, in the way we inspect the clothes, we quality control, integrating technology at every step. Uh, that's a little bit what we've been doing. And now, I mean, we, we service London, you know, throughout London. We have four stores, one in Marylebone, Chelsea, Notting Hill and South Kent, and via collection and deliveries throughout London to uh, people's home, uh, lots of collection and deliveries, yes. in particular over the past three, four years, and to businesses. So we clean for probably 80% of the luxury brands in London. We, we are behind the scene uh, either tailoring, repairing, or mm. cleaning uh, the uniforms or the clothes that people wear and, and stay. Oh, so really a big disruption of the whole industry, like every aspect of it. Um, do So... Is anybody else any are any other dry cleaning companies doing what you what you do or, or trying to do what uh, you do? Yeah, I think I think yes, and and you know the, there is it's an industry with so many things to disrupt that yes, there, there are initiatives and there they have been in England and in other countries, 
what I've found is most of them are focused on one thing to disrupt, which is good. Yes. They thought, okay, we're going to be more tech. So you've had fantastic companies who have raised tens of millions of pounds a couple of years ago and still now, who have built a fantastic tech system, but then have kept the um, outsourcing, the actual cleaning to sort of toxic um, subcontractors. Or you had people who said, I'm going to tackle the way to clean and emulate what Blanc is doing or other people are doing internationally and really clean more sustainably. But they, f- they focused on that, which is fantastic. And that was the main goal in my vision was to bring the industry to realize that this is possible. Uh, and so I'm very glad to realize that more and more people in the UK, but also everywhere in the world, and we receive regularly requests from people around the UK and the world for franchising or just, just for learning how we've done to use eco-friendly technology. So there are other people. I think one of our specificity has been to say, it's not enough to just tackle one aspect of the archaic um, system. It's not enough to just clean more sustainably. Customer wants home delivery and they want a fantastic app. So it's taken us time, but we were trying to tackle every single thing. So recently we removed completely the plastic packaging, for example, and we're the first in the UK, maybe in the world, I've not looked everywhere, but to use entirely compostable packaging. Um, than electric van. So we kind of look around and see what is it that we still need to disrupt. And I think it's a never-ending game. If you stop thinking, I've made it, it doesn't matter, it doesn't work because customer wants something more because our customers today, yes. they're used to Amazon, for example, or Ocado or Uber. So you may clean sustainably, but if you're not able, not able to get the clothes to them, to their home in a timely manner, it's not enough. So I think... And that, that reminds me of something. I think one of the things that was very difficult is the fact that from the outside, everything looks very easy. It looks easy because you're used to using Uber and Amazon and you think it can be difficult in cleaning clothes. And from the inside in the industry, it's, it, people, everybody is saying it's completely impossible. So as an entrepreneur, kind of make the link between your investors, your customer who thinks, it's not difficult. Come on. You should be able to clean without yes. toxic products. And you should be able to get my clothes to me in half an hour wherever I live in the UK. And on the other side, you have the experts and the competitors who think it's impossible. And so I think it's it's about tackling one topic after the other and getting a team around us who think it's possible and know it's difficult. So <laughs> it is difficult, yes. but it is possible. Yes. <laughs> and let's yes. make a plan yes. to, yeah. to achieve this. Yeah, I love that. And and I think especially having the right people around you who believe that, really believe that and, and embrace that and, and want to do it. Um, yes. And you, so your customers are not just individuals. You, you were talking earlier about companies and I guess some of the big hotels maybe use you. Yeah, some of the big brands and the, the big hotels and what we do for them, interesting, is so we clean we, we focus more on the delicate items. So we don't do so much the bed linen, which are the massive volumes. They go to gigantic factories and we really try and focus on the clothes, 
We do bed linen for our consumers. And of course, we clean also curtains, sofa covers, rugs. But for hotels, what we do mostly is uniforms or the, the guest clothes. And what's been interesting, what we've done for two very luxury hotels recently is we've developed a sort of a service called Blanc Academy. We know how to take care of clothes. In very luxury hotels, the staff needs to know a little bit about clothes because they are the one who will select. Do, do I clean it in the hotel? Do I send it to a dry cleaner like us? How can I iron? So we've developed a service called Blanc Academy where for luxury hotels and for very high net worth people, we've trained their people how to recognize yeah. a stain, how to iron the basics. So it's really about thinking, mm. okay, we have this skill. We don't want to keep it for ourselves. If we can educate more people mm -hmm. and more people to mm -hmm. know more about garment care, let's do it. And so we've done internships of a couple of hours for their staff. And it's been hugely successful. Right. And I think we, we've taught also these people how to look out for more sustainable options, how to care more for the clothes. And our goal is that clothes should last much longer. If the clothes last longer, you're eliminating huge amounts of toxicity because you don't have to trash yes. them. They can be yeah. made to live longer yeah. and we are at the core of that. And we want to make sure that by coming to us, we help to clean the clothes, maintain them, we debubble them, we repair, alter them so that something you buy can last you 10 years. And when you lose weight, when you gain weight, when you do a damage, we will repair it, we'll adjust it. We have a fantastic mm -hmm. team of tailors and we want to empower more people to know about that. So that's the Black Academy. Yeah. And that's and that's such a big thing now. I mean, especially now, people are very interested in sustainability and in, in you know, not constantly buying new clothes and looking after what they have. So you've kind Absolutely. of the timing is perfect for this. Yeah. And we work a lot with secondhand platforms, with rental platforms. So, you know, it's been, we've been their key point of contact for people who want to create a secondhand or rental platform. The key in the end is the cleaning at some points. And so we've been naturally involved in, um, naturally involved in that flow um, and trying to really push it and get it to the next level where it's, it's indispensable. It's critical to be able to clean and tailor if you want to rent, if you want to sell secondhand, or if you want to wear for longer. So that, that's yes. when it's interesting um, to take yes. part of this big shift. You, know, you, you were talking earlier about scalability and for, it to be this, for this to be a big thing. Do you feel that you've reached that? Are you planning to expand further, grow more? What does the future hold? Sure. No, so as I said, uh, yeah, we are very ambitious and there is still so much to do and so much growth. Um, we've spent, you know, a lot of time, I would say, in, in research and development. You know, we set up our, our own atelier fi only five years ago in, in Acton, where we are really state-of-the-heart machinery. We have a fantastic team. We have all our system. Um, and we, we got affected by, you know, COVID set us back, you know, back two years. Um, so now we can see that we have much more interest from our customers and from the B2B for sustainability. Um, and we can see that our investment in processes, in being able to manage high volumes with technology is really uh, bearing fruits. And as we mentioned about the platforms, they are tech focused. They have entire tech system. And the first question is, do you have an API in your system? Well, we used not to have, but thankfully we've developed our tech which now we can connect seamlessly to get to scale. Uh, so yes, there is there is a lot uh, of growth um, in London and then 
also internationally now we've developed our model, which is the cleaning techniques, the industrial process, and the technology, um, the, the IT systems. And these three things uh, we are looking at, you know, franchising or partnering or selling them one by one to international players, people who are abroad, because it's a very local industry. Right? In order to get to France or to set up a, uh, in China, you need to set up a factory and set up stores. So we initially, yes. in terms of pivoting, thought we would do it ourselves. And now we're more partnering with people internationally to mm. help them set that up a bit as a franchise model. So there is there is so many things that, that, that we're dealing with at the moment in terms of the next step that is, is very yeah. interesting. And how do you get the word out about what you do? So, I mean, do do you have a website that people go to? How do you kind of promote what you do and market what you do? Sure. So I think, yes, our, our main channel is our website. So it's blankliving.co, um, where we explain what we do. And of course, it has a link to our app to connect and deliver anywhere in London. Um, we've also been quite lucky um, with sort of influencers or press or people who were really using our services or the luxury houses who, because they use our services, they want you know, to ensure that their customer use it. So really being that we see ourselves as the aftercare brand. So people spend a lot of time, money, and emotions in buying clothes, but then they feel a bit stuck when it comes to taking care of them. So as an aftercare, I think our best, you know, best way of getting the word out as being our brands when they sell an item and we say, well, once you buy it, we don't want you to be frustrated. If you want to enjoy this product for a long time, you know, uh, use Blanc because they are going to take care of yourself. That, that's been quite a powerful yes. way, you know, word of mouth yes. from our customers, but also from our, um, uh, the fashion brands. Uh, has been a powerful way of, of getting people to know us. Yes. And just one last question, I think, before we finish, just coming back to doing something different and disrupting an industry and changing something, whether it's about your your work or your life or, you know, how something is done. What would be maybe three, you've talked a lot about this already, but if you could kind of summarize, what would be three things that are really important if you want to make a big change or disrupt something or do, or just do something in a different way? What would you say would be three key things? I think the first thing is resilience. Uh, and by that, I mean, uh, don't listen to people who say, who say that it's impossible. Uh, just, or I, I wouldn't say, I think we should always listen, but listen with one ear go to your cage, think, and then go out of it with even more rage. Take 10% from what everything everybody is saying. Because I always listen a lot, but then, you know, shut your ears and, and keep pushing. Um, so lots of, lo lots, of, um, lots of resilience in that respect. And it is not, because it hasn't been done, doesn't mean it's impossible. It's, um, if it's, the other thing I would say, is to look at other industries, is always keep an eye out. It may seem impossible in your industry, but if someone in the US, in a completely different industry is doing it, it may seem, everybody may say, no, it's different, but then you can, you can inspire yourself from what others are doing. And I think the bias of an entrepreneur is sometimes to be too much, you know, head in the sand, pushing and pushing, 
And as you say, you, you may be pushing a square wheel until the moment that you need to step back, change the wheel to a round one. It'll take you a day or two, but then you'll go much faster. So look out a little bit, not too much, but it's important to look out for other industries. And the third thing is get the greatest people around you. Uh, and it starts when you're just having the idea to ask advisors to go and get the best people, the most senior people, the most experienced people that you can think about and contact them on LinkedIn and try and get their, their ideas uh, or get people in your network. And then when you build your team to really yeah, select and spend a lot of time selecting, training, and coaching the best possible people, um, and then making sure that they are empowered because they believe in it and they can do things that actually you can't initially as an entrepreneur. You just do everything. You have every hat in the company. And gradually, you need to think about delegating some of them. And I read that you know a company is often as weak as its CEO's best strength. So there comes to a point where you also need to look at what am I very strong at? Fine. Uh, doesn't matter. I'm still going to delegate it. So finding the best people and then delegate and training and coaching um, as much as possible. And as long as they share the same vision and passion and that you are both dealing with the strategic topics, but also, you know, uh, sleeves rolled um, in the trenches to help when needed, then it goes, it goes a very long way and the whole project can, can really happen. That's fantastic advice. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And Ludovic, I just want to thank you again for coming onto the podcast today. It's been really great talking to you. It's been inspirational, in fact, and I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot from listening to you and listening to about your story and, and what you've achieved, which is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amasu, and it's, um, thank you for what you're doing as well. It's really inspiring. It's fantastic to uh, listen to your podcast. So I'm very uh, proud uh, to be featured and um, we listen to, um, to all the, the future ones that, that you do because uh, the ones I've listened were, were extremely inspiring. So thank you for having me today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast player or on YouTube. And if you can leave us a positive review, we really appreciate it. If you want more support, tips and ideas to strengthen these skills, go to the website unimenta.com where you can take part in live masterclasses, self-access online modules and download lots of free resources. Get the book, Seven Skills for the Future in all major bookstores and on Amazon. And why not get yourself a copy of the 777 Journal to transform your life in just seven weeks through daily journaling practice.